This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Amazon is hiring near you. Looking for team members who know that their work is important and that every package matters. Find a job that fits your life with competitive wages, reliable hours, and benefits. Let's work together from boxing it up to sending it on its way. Every step offers a different role and schedule. So are you ready to work together in your community? Visit amazon.com slash apply to see what's available. That's amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to take a second to talk to y'all about Anchor. If you're anything like me, you've kind of recently fallen into the world of podcasting, both on the listening and creating side. I recently found a bunch of podcasts that I love and decided it was about time that I make one of my own because I love talking to people and I love sharing creative ideas and this was just the perfect way to do that, but I had no idea how to do it because, of course, I've never done it before. But some of the podcasts I listened to mentioned Anchor and I decided to check it out and it is the best decision I have ever made. Anchor is a free podcasting service that allows you to record, distribute, and pick the cover art and music for your own podcast. I mean, what else can you ask for? It makes the whole process so simple, especially for those of us who are just starting out and really have no idea what we're doing. And in order to distribute your podcast, it takes little to no work from you at all. Anchor will distribute your podcast to places like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, the whole nine yards. And you can just watch yourself grow and change. And it's a great way to develop that learning experience. So if anyone is interested in making a podcast anytime soon or ever, really, Go to anchor.fm to check it out. Now on with the episode. Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to the Fangirl Files podcast. I'm Sabrina. I'm Madison. Today we're going to be talking to you about Taylor Swift's latest record, Evermore. Yeah. But first, how are you doing, Madison? Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah. What about you? I'm alive, hoping I don't have coronavirus, you know, all that fun stuff. So I'm good. As good as good can be in this pandemic. Absolutely. We're just having a good time. It's pre-Christmas as we're recording, so I think we're both in a semi-decent mood, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten to, it's kind of like, you know, when you grow older and Christmas doesn't excite you as much anymore because like, you know what you're getting and like you can buy. Yeah. So it's. I I know I played help in like ordering my gifts. Like my mom was like, give me your Amazon account. And I was like, mother, (laughs) I know what you're getting me now. Yeah. Right, because it shows up on your uh, on your yeah, order. Yeah, I was like, cool, and in my email. So I was like, I there's no surprises. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's fine. 
So today we're going to be talking about the Queen, Taylor Swift, the best yes. uh, songwriter of our generation. Um, truly, though. Truly, though. Were you there since, like, the first album, or? Um, I was seven when the first album came out. So, like, inadvertently, I guess, because I used to watch a lot of Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. And um, you know how Radio Disney would do their, like top 13 songs of the week or something and she was always on it because love story was always on or teardrops my guitar was always on yep so like i guess i've been there since the beginning and that's what we want to call the beginning but how about you uh yes against my own will (laughs) my uh my sister Peyton, she loved uh taylor swift growing up so she started listening to it and so i would be in the car when like the entire album would be playing and i remember i didn't like taylor swift back then didn't like inclination marks because of internalized misogyny like i feel like everyone has had that period to where like you're told you should hate taylor swift and then like you grow up and you're like actually she was really good and she doesn't get enough credit for a lot of what she does yeah it's like that tiktok audio for those of you who are on tiktok where it's like i fucking hate this bitch and then it goes no 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 internalized misogyny let's try again no <laughs> and every time i hear that i see taylor swift because same so yeah. your taylor swift hatred phase was like early on then yeah probably since like second album maybe i don't know when she started blowing up that's when i was like oh i don't like taylor swift because i'm not like the other girls and now i'm just like that's stupid oh okay see i was there around like the third album because hmm. when speak now came out that's when people were like oh she only writes songs about boys oh and, yeah and i was like i don't fucking care like <laughs> they're good songs. so like i would hide that i didn't like her and then i would like secretly listen to back to december when i was alone in the like sitting in the back seat of my car with headphones while my parents were driving and she was just so good but out of curiosity up until now what was your favorite uh taylor swift album era album era i have to pull them all up because she's got like nine of them now uh, yeah this is number nine that's wild to me i can't believe she has nine albums i think it was speak now that was my favorite yeah, Fear, I would one say, of those. speak now was an awesome album like in hindsight you don't give it enough credit in comparison to the others i think not you specifically but everyone else doesn't give speak now enough credit like better than revenge was my jam growing up Hmm. and like i'm not for the misogyny of the song anymore but also watch my feminism side go out the window every time better than revenge place (laughs) that song's a bop though just like the fire that she truly it is people were theorizing that she would since she's like has to re-record her albums they were theorizing that they were going to change the concept to be less misogynistic and that she was going to create like a better song but I don't think it's something that's been confirmed or even hinted at. I think definitely there's that. And I think Picture to Burn might be another song she recreates. Because she goes on about this redneck guy. And I'm like, that's not politically correct. You can't call people that. (laughs) So I'm sure that's another one where like potentially she could recreate. But I really don't know. Mm. It's going to be sad, though, to hear kind of the country accent that she grew up with not being there. Gone. Yeah. It's so funny because she's not from there. Like, she's not from the South. Mm. So she, like, just developed it in her teenage years, and now it's gone. Yeah. It must be or, living in L.A. and stuff. Or, like, I think it might be her label oh. that, like, told her, to, told her to have one. I'm sure Scott had something to do with that, too. Mm. To make it seem more authentic. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's interesting you say Speak Now, because Speak Now was, like, one of my favorite eras. But I think 
before like the recent years my favorite era was the red era red is pretty good because red was just the all too well bridge let me tell you nothing hits harder than the all too well bridge when you're sad yeah Peyton was actually mentioning that earlier she's talking about Peyton is my sister for all you listeners who aren't part of the family (laughs) my family um i'm part of the family she was talking about how much she liked that song today too like she was just like that's it's a really sad song but it's good I like the All imagery. too well is the song you scream in the car where you're like crying. Yeah. It, and I wonder every day to this day what Jake Gyllenhaal did to her to make her write this song. Mm. But like that was my favorite era before. Now as she's grown, I think my favorite era, while Folklore and Evermore are two of my favorite albums she's ever put out and they're probably my favorite overall, I think even before that, Reputation had to be my favorite thing. Mm. I wasn't a big fan of Reputation. I liked the concept of it, the fact that she was making fun of the media yeah. and making fun that of That was my thing with it. Yeah. Because, like, I agree with you in the sense, like, people say that Reputation seemed the most um, factory produced as opposed to what she writes. Mm-hmm. And I agree it does give off that vibe. So if that's what you're thinking, then I, like, agree with you. But Yeah, more so, like, I liked how she was just, like, taking how the media was portraying her and being like, that's just a stupid way of seeing me or like basically making a parody off of it. I I like that aspect of the album, but I didn't particularly like the sound. Yeah, no, I like, yeah, I, I actually really liked the sound because if you watch the reputation tour on Netflix, Mm, I haven't seen it. She does it in this immaculate way and I've never seen Taylor in concert. And that will be my downfall to this to this day like i'm so upset that i haven't seen her in concert i wanted to go to Loverfest over the summer and of course covid um canceled that i was gearing up to buy tickets oh so i mean no i loved reputation for the fact that she went and basically did one big fat middle finger to the meeting yeah that was funny yeah and i think i hated this song when it came out because my favorite song on the whole album was I did something bad, but then when she came out with This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, I was, like, shook. I was like, yes, precisely. I haven't really listened to the songs on that or Lover. Um, Folklore really pulled me back into the loop. I truly, like, if there was ever before Folklore, like, I have a playlist now dedicated to Folklore and Evermore Mm. because they're actually my relaxing study songs to pull from. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But if there was ever an album that I listened to on straight repeat, and I don't listen to full albums that way almost ever, but it was always Reputation Mm. that I went back to. And I was like, you know what? I'm in a badass mood today. I'm going to listen to Taylor. (laughs) Well, I remember when I was rooming with you too, like it would always tell me about like, you know, something about the witches and burning them like that line. Yeah, because I was writing, I was reading this um, book of poems called uh, The Witch Doesn't Burn in This One by Amanda Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. And it was like, and I would just equate that with, um, I did something bad. Mm. And I was like, perfect. Folklore really pulled me back into being, being like, wow, this is kind of reminiscent of the old Taylor that everybody mm. loves. And I kind of like the way she's evolved into like this new badass confident Taylor. Yeah. But I do like the fact that she's taking the time to kind of pull back and show us what she's really wanted to write all these years. And I think that that's why I love um, Folklore and Evermore this much. Yeah, I can agree to that. It feels like uh, yeah. 
somebody said in a YouTube comment, it feels like a bunch of like books that are just like opening and like telling their stories. And like, you're just standing in this ancient library and listening to these tales being told. I thought that was a really good description right. of folklore. Because she says a lot of these aren't stories about me. Yeah. Some of them are, but some of them are stories about my friends, things I made up, things I read. Mm -hmm. So it's like she takes the time to tell us these stories and it's so soothing and it's so beautiful. Yeah. And you can like... The fact that she dropped Evermore too, just like as a as a testament to that that she enjoys writing songs mm -hmm. for us. Yeah, within six months of each yeah. other, like that's thirty one, thirty two songs. But out of the two, which one did you like better, folklore? Or I liked folklore better. I don't know why. I just I liked it more. <laughs> see, that's I feel differently, and I like Evermore more. So it's interesting to see what this analysis is going to be like. The thing about the thing about folklore that I liked is that all the songs I could listen to, and I was like, "This is a good song. I'm going to add this to my playlist. This is a good song. I'm going to add that to my playlist." With Evermore, it right. has to kind of the songs have to kind of grow on me. Like I have to listen to them through, and and the more I listen to it, the more I actually like it. I feel like that's my thing. Right. That was my thing in reverse. So for me, it was folklore that I had to mm. listen to. Because it was the style of Taylor that I had to get mm -hmm. used to. Because I'm not used to hearing Taylor so stripped down. And while I think it's awesome, it's just not something most of her fans are used to up until mm -hmm. this point. So that was me getting used to it. And now that I'm used to it and kind of like, this is the vibe and I like it. And I'm ready for a chill vibe. Because despite being like 21, I think that you and I are more chill than most people yeah. our age. <laughs> And I'm like reaching the time where I'm like, I would rather sit in a coffee shop and read and write than do anything. And that's the kind of vibe she gives me with both yeah. albums. So now that I've settled into it, I like Evermore more. Plus, I can relate to the songs on Evermore a lot more than I could with Folklore. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how our analysis of this plays out because we have different opinions. <laughs> well, with that, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into all the songs. Yeah, so... We're going to go in chronological order mm. here and start with Willow. Willow is very clearly about someone who's been intoxicated by loving someone and moreover loving someone who is manipulative or considered kind of like, if you've read Twilight, like an Edward Cullen dazzling persona. Like, And I mean that is in this guy can get anything he mm. wants from anyone because he's beautiful. Or because he's like this classic, like James Dean type of dude. And there's a line specifically in this song. She says, begging for you to take my hand, F my plans, that's my man. And I'm like, that's the number one sign of toxicity. Mm. It's like she's throwing everything to the wind. Because she even says life was a willow and it bent right to your wind. So it's like she's throwing all of her plans away to follow this guy and... She's a little reminiscent of it, and it's almost whimsical the way she's talking about it because she knows that this person is manipulative, but she admires them for it almost. And she knows it's something that she'll come back from, but in that moment, she wants to give over that control. See, I didn't, that's a good analysis because I, I was looking at Willow and I was just kind of like, I thought it was more of like being in a relationship and just like, you know, letting somebody take the lead for a moment and getting excited over, you know, what they're teaching you because of like, the more you say, the less you know, sort of thing to where he's kind of teaching her and she yeah. never knew that, you know, that was all out there in the world. But now that you're explaining it, because I, I saw one line that was like really confusing to me that like the life was a willow and it bent right to your wind. And it's the one before the 90s trend. Let me pull up the lyrics here. 
I love how you're saying that because I literally have, she says, I come back stronger than a 90s trend. So she knows she's going to come back from whatever this is. And she says, show me the places where the others gave you scars. Mm. So she's saying that people have hurt you and you've kind of from that sprouted into this beautiful person, but it's almost inauthentic. Yeah. Because here, here's the line I was talking about. Life was a willow and a bent right to your wind. They count me out time and time again. So I didn't understand what that meant. That kind of shattered my analysis of it. And I was like, I don't understand. And then you were like, oh, it's an abusive relationship. And I was like, oh, that makes sense now. It may not even necessarily be abusive unless she's talking about the same person throughout this entire album, save for mm-hmm. a few songs. It may just be that it's like one of those things where it's like this person is so enticing to you and they know that because of that, you're going to do whatever they would like or you're always going Mm -hmm. to follow them. And sometimes those people aren't consciously aware of that, but they just subconsciously Mm -hmm. manipulative. So it may also be that, but she's almost saying that she's being whimsical about it and being like, you know what, this is fun and it's fun to follow you, but I'm not going to do Mm -hmm. it forever. But I thought it was like... Like you said, it was kind of hard to analyze. Like I had to listen to it three or four times to kind of take notes and be like, okay, this is what I think it means. And I want to make it very clear, guys, like we obviously are not tailored and we don't know what she's saying unless we're her, but that's how I'm. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of her songs too, there's a lot of different ways you can interpret it just because of like, I feel like this is the type of album to where if you have like personal experience and you kind of hear that in the lyrics, like you're kind of just like, oh, that's what that means. And if you don't, you're kind of, you have to like listen to it like a bunch of times before you can really understand what your take is going to be on it. Right. Like, and we'll get into this later. I've had experiences that very closely correlate to most of this album. So I can kind of discern like, oh, this is what this means or like take it that way for myself because music like first and foremost is a way to heal. And I think she's done that with every every album that Mm. she's ever put out. So with that, do we want to go to the next song? Because or unless you have anything else to say. about, I didn't have any other notes on Willow. I was just kind of like, what's Sabrina's interpretation? (laughs) And I'll go from there. Well, I feel that way about okay. champagne I can take the, so. the reins on this one because I posted something to my yes. story that was like, I'm going to analyze this line by line because I love this song. So Taylor Swift said like in an essay about Evermore that this song was like depicting a, a lifetime, a life, no, a long, a long-term relationship. I don't know why I put lifetime, a long-term relationship between college sweethearts who had like very different plans for like the same night. Like obviously one of them wants to end it and one of them brought a ring. And that's kind of obviously like stated in the lyrics. Like you have the protagonist who's saying like, I dropped your hand while dancing, left you out there standing, crestfallen on the landing, champagne problems and mentioning like the ring in his pocket and um, dropping his heart and chattering it and things like that. So it's obviously like, a marriage proposal rejection but i thought it had like many different like layers to it um in particular i thought it was about how um people will often blame the person who said no rather than actually kind of like looking into the situation so when you look at the words champagne problems in particular i kind of um, looked at genius for an annotation because when I first heard the term I was like I don't understand what that means and apparently it's some like old um, it's some old phrase that basically sort of means like first world problems like it's a very small problem that rich people have yeah. um, and mm-hmm. I think that that kind of goes back to again like 
blaming the person for like sort of a I wouldn't say small issue because it is a marriage proposal rejection and that's kind of like it can be shattering and it could be due to my own internal bias about marriage but um by stating that her rejection is a champagne problem what the protagonist is stating is that um the person who made that proposal is essentially blowing it out of proportion by being like woe is me and uh she rejected me so like my life is ruined and things like that and i felt like it was almost manipulative too so like when the song starts out it says like you booked the night train for a reason so you could sit there in this hurt bustling crowds or silent sleepers you're not sure which is worse and i feel like Again, it's like talking about how the guy is like emotionally hurting internally and they're trying to get away from like public scrutiny because, you know, when you're sad, you don't know if you want a lot of people to look at you or you don't know if you want Mm -hmm. to like wake people. But I feel like the key in that is saying like he he booked the night train for a reason so he could sit in this hurt. And it's implying that he sort of knew that the proposal was going to fail and he knew he would be upset. So he kind of booked the train for like, um, to self pity himself. Right. Because there's sometimes where you just need to go and like some people go on drives when they're upset. Some people like to ride the bus. Like I know I've done that before where I've got on a train and just let mm-hmm. it go back and forth. So I don't have a lot necessarily to say about champagne problems because in the same way that you thought Willow was hard to analyze, I thought champagne problems was hard to analyze because I thought they were arguing over like an actual alcohol That's issue. part of it. But um, I mean, that's kind of something they, I feel like it was about like mental health as well because there's this line that yeah. goes like, the storm was once a madhouse. I made a joke. Well, it's made for me now. And that's kind of implying that the narrator sort of has like mental health issues going on. And there's also the line where, let me see, I wrote this down. Um, she would have made such a lovely, lovely bride. What a shame she's f-ed in the head. Um, again, sort of, I felt like it was talking about how sort of communities essentially try to like demonize mental health or try to make it sound like basically try to belittle people who have those problems rather than actually like, rather than actually like considering the situation and considering, like she said, she wasn't ready. And here's this guy who's inviting his family members, inviting all their friends, making this big grand proposal. And it's sort of like manipulative in my opinion. But that goes back to your question that there is a double meaning. There is another layer to the word champagne problems because it could be referencing in the literal sense a problem with alcohol due to all the other references that Taylor Swift included within the lyrics. Right. Like, do you think that this song may, like, the setting of the song may be um, in previous years, like, a different time? Because in the head is a pretty not um politically correct thing to say especially these days so it's like do you think that especially because it's probably about like a first world set of problems in a rich family they may have an older mindset or it could be something from before when i was picturing it i was thinking it was more so modern modern terms um, because I feel like okay. we still have that issue with like people blaming someone else for marriage proposal rejections. Cause we still have people who are proposing during like big, like baseball games and things like that, like in front of like a, a jumbo screen and everything. And it's kind of like, if she says no, like she's going to get booed. Like you wouldn't say no in that situation because you're going to have to say yes. Right. Due to like social pressures. Yeah. It's like being on the bathroom. Yeah. 
And, like, when it's, like, the last two girls getting proposed to or, like, the last two guys proposing to the girl and she says no to one of them, imagine how terrible, like, they would feel after that. Yeah. So it's like And that. then people would probably blame, like, the bachelor, the, the bachelor, the bachelorette or whoever made the, whoever said no to the proposal for saying no. And it's like, you know, if it's not going to work in the first place, you, you shouldn't do it. And that's what champagne problems goes into as well, because the guy that proposed, um, the protagonist states, you told your family for a reason. And she's also describing how, um, no crowd of friends applauded your hometown skeptics called it. So it's painting the scenery that this dude invited all of her friends and all of his family just to watch the marriage proposal rejection or just to ensure that she's going to add some extra societal pressure to make her say yes. Because when she says no, what happens is that that she faces the backlash of that rejection. The family is over here saying um, she would have made such a lovely bride. What a shame she's in the head and the protagonist also mentions how evergreen our group of friends don't think i'll say that word again so she's saying that she doesn't even know if her friends are still going to be friends with her because she rejected this guy and you should always talk to to your partner about that sort of thing i feel like that was something too that was commented on at least in the song because she said i never was ready so i watch you go with that should we move on to golden rush Original, I thought, <laughs> beautiful. We're, we're going to keep that in. That was an ugly laugh. <laughs> beautiful. beautiful, Perfect. I can't even laugh because I'm scared that I'm, uh, oh God, sick. Um, anyway, I actually like originally thought it was about her current mm. relationship, but now I'm thinking that it's like if she were in that relationship in, uh, champagne problems this guy's family was probably super rich and so there's lines like everybody wonders what it would be like to love you but what must it be like to grow up that beautiful and i can't bear to dream about you anymore my mind turns Mm -hmm. you into folklore and i think that this person seems almost unattainable to her and it's almost like this rush of gold like that's it's ironic that that's the title of the song now i'm actually coming up with this analysis on the, on the flex that's not what i have written down but it's like she keeps saying i don't like a gold rush and that could theoretically mean that like she doesn't like the wealth and just pre-assumed beauty that comes with yeah. this person and she's daydreaming about them the whole time and essentially says that her dreams fade into the gray of her day old tea because it will never Yeah, and be she that says way. in Champagne Problems, one for the money, two for the show. I think that that was the reasons why she said, like, she's not yeah. going. Oh, I didn't make goodness. that connection. See, it when does. I was listening to Gold Rush, I definitely knew it was like an idolization at first and then realized rejecting that daydream or rejecting that fantasy of the person that you had. But I didn't connect it to Champagne Problems in any way. Yeah, being like, I don't want to love you, but I'm yeah. falling in love with you. Which would explain, like, why in Champagne Problems she understands that she's not ready for the lifestyle that yeah. this person has built for them. <laughs> wow. Okay. Beautiful well, we analysis. Can also go further into. Um, I don't know. I just I think I liked the imagery too of Gold Rush. Even like hair falling into place like dominoes. Like I could see like just the hair like bouncing like the. That's why I thought oh. it was about Joe. <laughs> Because I, like, pictured Joe in my head, and I was like, yeah. that would make sense. That line, I think, is what made me yeah, think I about don't, Joe. 
because I originally just took it as being scared of a relationship. But like, for me, the imagery is like running through a field at sunset. And it's like just this beautiful golden overpass. And I didn't think about it as a literal like rich person's Mm. gold rush. And now it's just like this person is going into her head and she just doesn't feel the need to love them. But she's clearly idolizing them and clearly being like this person is perfect when in reality they're not perfect and i think that's what she's um realized yeah and in the text like it's supported by double vision and rose blush because it's implying that you have like the rose colored glasses and so you're seeing them through like yeah you're seeing them i got that that. from like a genius annotation because i was like what what do other people think the song is about but i was like oh that makes sense yeah I, like, originally didn't like Gold Rush, and it's because I didn't understand it. But when, like, like it's when I when you understand the lyrics, I think that's the thing that's different about Folklore and Evermore. Especially because, like, before, you, don't have, you didn't have to work to understand what her lyrics meant. You kind of knew who they were directed at or what she was talking about. And now you really have to work to discern meanings, and it just makes it that, mm-hmm. that much I more agree. beautiful. So I'm, like, liking each song more yeah. and more as I listen to them more. But only in certain cases. There will be, there's others that I'm like immediately like, this is going to the top of my playlist. This is my cry <laughs> song. Like, I love this woman. I yeah. would die for Taylor Swift. She's no great. exaggeration. She doesn't give enough credit for being. She is. Well, she is starting to, but. I also like am intrigued by the fact that Joe is held to write. Yeah, so I was talking about songs. that too. Um, William Bowery is literally Joe because they stayed at the Bowery Hotel at one point, and now he's like William Bowery. But and she's literally said in interviews like, "We know that's Joe. I don't know why he's using the name, but like we, we know it's him." I see. Somebody was actually saying like, "Imagine like you're writing songs about your ex, and now you're writing songs with the person that you love." And I was like, "That's so cute. That's growth right there." Yeah, I saw that too. All right, tis the damn season. This entire song is literally about the mm. high school ex-boyfriend. She's saying she's mm-hmm. staying at her parents' house. And there's the one line that the road not taken looks real good now. So this implies that this is someone from the hometown. And it may or may not be about Taylor herself. But like in general, the, the narrator of this song is implying that she left to go pursue her own dreams and her own career, whatever she left for, whether it be college or work or whatever. She left, and she clearly left behind this person that she was deeply in love with. But she knew it was what was best for her, especially because this person hurt hurt her. And she says, I won't wait if you won't ask me to stay. So... It seems to me like this person expected her to wait for him or them. And she said, but you didn't even ask. So Mm. why should I stay? It's just like, remember how you watched me leave? I escaped it too. And we could call it even implies that Mm. they hurt each other. So I'm assuming that part of the reason that she left this this old hometown in the first place is because she was hurt by this person. And wanted to escape that in the town and go start a new life. Now she's willing to, because she's stuck at home, go and be like, okay, we can be together and then it'll probably hurt you, but we can call it even to do that. And like, we were as messy as the mud on your truck tires. 
So it implies that going back is going to hurt each other, but leaving is going to hurt even more. And she even says, the only heart I'm breaking is my own to leave the warmest bed I've ever known. So she really did love this person, but it clearly is not best for them to be together. People were theorizing that Dorothea is connected to the song. Really? Oh, I see that because I I analyzed Dorothea. That's actually yeah that sounds like it's from their point of view but what i but they were saying that um the protagonist in tis the damn season was someone who went and they got fame and then they returned home and they came back to like their lover and they're just kind of like because you know and they say she says in the song um yeah uh, so I'll go back to LA and the so-called friends who will write books about me if I ever make it. Right. It's th- That's the line right before I wonder about this, the only soul who knows which yeah. smiles. Talking about I'm probably shaking. how you go down the red carpet and you're, you've got like that big smile on your face, but like, you're kind of like, I don't want to be here, you know? <laughs> right. Or like, I've heard from a lot of YouTubers, like that I listen to their podcasts. They say a lot of people in LA are very fake with one Mm -hmm. another just to get noticed. And I would assume that it's the same way in like musical circles, especially when you're just starting out. And so she probably is constantly putting on a face and knowing that there's only one person in this whole world who knows her well enough to know that that's fake. And that's Mm -hmm. the person that she's talking about in this song. And I didn't like it originally either, but again, it was one of those things where it was like, as I listened to it, it was perfect. So with that, tolerate it do it i'm gonna go off yes for a minute here people say the all too well bridge is what makes them ball their eyes out it's what they scream and cry in the car tolerate it was the song that made me want to curl up in a ball and start shaking and sobbing i like i could not handle this song but it's my favorite song on the entire album And I think that's because it hits so close to home, not only for me, but for so many other women. Because the entire thing is about what is a very emotionally available, unavailable, emotionally available, there would be no need for this song. This whole song is about a very emotionally unavailable person in the narrator's life. And... It just says, I sit and watch you and notice everything. So clearly she knows him. And I'm going to assume for the sake of just everything being simple that this person is a him. Because usually it's men that are stupid. Let's be, on- let's be honest with ourselves. And she basically she seems afraid of him. Because she says, I wait by the door like I'm just a kid while I watch you. And, you know, that's what a kid does for their parent. You shouldn't be timid and standing by the door for your partner. They should want you to be in the room. And she says, if it's all in my head, I need you to tell me. And that implies that things like that have been said to her before. Because why would she think that those feelings were all in her head? This person at some point must have said to one insecurity to her and been like, no, that was in your head. That's not real. Which it's not cool for someone to invalidate your insecurities Mm -hmm. in any respect. Like, Madison knows this. I've been through this where it's like, they say, eh, you're insane. Or like, eh, that's not real. Or like, what are you talking about? Of course, this is how I feel. And then they don't pay you any mind. Or like she says, I lay the the table with the fancy shit and watch you tolerate it. Like, 
so many nice gestures mm-hmm. that just get overlooked. And, and this person was probably also at least emotionally abusive because it seems like they criticized her a lot just because she says, I polish plates and sit and listen until they gleam and glisten. So this implies that she's listening to him about all of his complaints. And then she says, I take your indiscretions all in good fun, but I greet you with a battle hero's welcome. So that just implies she will always listen to him and she will always be there for him. And she thinks that he hung the earth, the moon and the stars, but he just sits there and criticizes her and everything she does. And she just laughs about it because Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, that's just how he is. This song, I think, isn't about being stuck in it still, but it's about writing it all down so that you can let it go. And so I think my favorite line in this whole song is, I made you my temple, my mural, my sky, and I'm begging for footnotes in the story of your life. And again, yep, you can attest, Madison, I've yep. done the very same thing for a very long time. I was in that exact situation where I would do things and say things and just hope that I was doing the right thing for this person. And it was the right thing and it always made them happy. But what did I get in return? Get blocked all the time. Shit. Mm -hmm. She says in the song, while you were out building other worlds, where was I? Drawing hearts in the byline, taking up too much space and time. And that's how it feels to be in a relationship like that. Too many people that have been in relationships that have hurt them that much. There are people that never recover from those relationships. There are people that need therapy to deal with those kinds of relationships. So I think a song like this is extremely powerful. And she says after that bridge of what would you do if I took this dagger in me and removed it and gained the weight of you and lost it? And that's what relationships like that are like. It's like you're gaining weight because A, and it's literal and figurative because usually when you're in a relationship like Mm -hmm. that, it stresses you out to the point where you want to eat because you have nothing else going on in your life. And that may just be me, but you feel isolated and alone and you're just eating to fill a void that you don't know where it's coming from because you think this person loves you. You think that this lack of attention and you doing everything for them and just being able to be in their presence once a day or once a week or whatever is enough you think that that's what love is supposed to be especially when you're young and the way i picture this song is this girl is a 20 something and this guy is maybe 35 because Mm -hmm. she says you're so much older and wiser and I think that's a lot of the time where it comes from because it's like if they're older than you or if they think they have a leg up up on you in life, they're going to crap on you. But she also says when she asks, like, what would you do if I took this dagger and me and removed it? And like, da, da, da. She says, believe me, I could do it. She understands that her love should be celebrated and this person is tolerating it. And that's how she knows she should leave. I that song was like I didn't like that song at first and then I actually like listened to it further and I loved it but I saw it kind of from like a daughter's point of view too as you were saying it doesn't just have to be romantic relationships like a daughter with her father and everything like that sorry to interrupt your listening experience so soon but unfortunately 
during editing, we found that there was a severe lag in the audio. So it sounds like me and Sabrina are talking over each other for some of the songs. And given last time we had really bad echoey problems, we both didn't want to post something that would be completely unlistenable for the second episode. So I'm really sorry that that happened for this part of the podcast i'm really glad that it wasn't for the complete album review and that we actually have something to post this wednesday but um that's sort of why the rest of the songs aren't here uh we'll go ahead and finish our album review re-record it and post it as soon as we can um but i just wanted to sort of let you guys know what was going on um with this upload itself So thank you so much for your patience with us so far. We really appreciate all of your support. Um, And if you had opinions about the songs that we list, the songs that we listed or the songs that we haven't gotten to go ahead and send us a DM, Um, follow us on Instagram at fangirl files podcast. And we would love to hear from you soon. Configuring the Bluetooth, deciding who controls the music, avoiding potholes, Remembering where you parked. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with Auto Owners Insurance, getting the right coverage for your vehicle doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who live in your community and answer when you call. So you can get back to more important things, like remembering if you're on the third or fourth level of the parking garage. That's simple human sense. Ask your independent agent if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Hey guys, I'm Serafina, and thanks for listening to SGP Radio. Stream our podcast and more across SGP Radio platforms, including the Brandon Gerald Productions app for iOS and Android. Or you can visit www.bgplcapp.com. Stream, download, listen, like, Share, subscribe, repost, binge, and enjoy this podcast and so much others like Not Your Token Black Girl, Working Gals Guide, Black Girl Storytime, Juice Pro Wrestling, Black Guy Wrestling, and Podcasts About Nothing. We have so much more on our stations. Tell it for her, noir, and wrestling fans, including SGP Radio Originals and our blogs. Enjoy. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. As a small business owner, you're redefining business as usual. From rethinking the way you work to reassessing your bandwidth, you're changing the way you do business. And at Cox Business, so are we. With flexible internet packages to get you back to business. Rethink. Reconnect. Reimagine. 
Get 50 megs of internet for only $70 per month for six months. No annual contract required. Ends 12-31-20. Restrictions apply. Visit coxbusiness.com for details. All services subject to Cox Business General Terms. Amazon is hiring near you. Looking for team members who know that their work is important and that every package matters. Find a job that fits your life with competitive wages, reliable hours, and benefits. Let's work together from boxing it up to sending it on its way. Every step offers a different role and schedule. So, are you ready to work together in your community? Visit Amazon.com slash apply to see what's available. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Amazon is hiring near you. Looking for team members who know that their work is important and that every package matters. Find a job that fits your life with competitive wages, reliable hours, and benefits. Let's work together from boxing it up to sending it on its way. Every step offers a different role and schedule. So, are you ready to work together in your community? Visit Amazon.com slash apply to see what's available. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.